It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined right now by journalist and storyteller, Adam Davidson, creator of the Planet Money podcast, New Yorker writer. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. It's great to be here. Good morning. No, it is really exciting to talk to you. You had a Twitter thread that wove together probably, I don't know, three or four of the themes that we hit the most on this show, but it was all pegged to the coverage of uh, Hillary Clinton's email scandal and the idea that it was on the audience to understand the level of severity that that story should have been treated with and and not on the reporters and media outlets. So I kind of want to start there. Like, what about that idea? Like, whose fault is it that people (laughs) believed that Hillary Clinton was more corrupt than than Donald Trump in that moment? I mean, yeah, I think it is on at least in large part on the media. I, I What I found really maddening in the last few weeks is, and this was a familiar feeling, I've had it many times in the last few years. <laughs> Us too. <laughs> um, that we had this massive coverage. I mean, we all know we don't have to go over it, but 2016, mm-hmm. somehow the single most important issue in the world was whether or not Chelsea Clinton's wedding plans were available for government archivists or something like that. And then in 2017, we found out that Ivanka Trump um, had her own private email server for White House business. And then recently, obviously, we found out that um, President Trump was destroying um, documents. And these were covered wildly differently. And the kind of official media take, I think Philip Bump at the Washington Post wrote a piece that really laid out how media people think about this um, was sort of like not our problem. Like we covered news and, you know, there was there was a reason why we covered the Hillary email that way. It wasn't our fault, you know. James Comey, who certainly gets a lot of blame, don't get me wrong. Right. But James Comey kept kept it in the news in this way and that way, et cetera. And my feeling was, or I mean, this goes back to why I created Planet Money in the first place, right? is that the media too quickly gives itself a pass of responsibility when they're covering something and the public has a strong perception that is the opposite of true. And that yes. that should be in the media's, they should take, we should take responsibility for that. I, I love that you you said that because I, you know, as Hillary, former Hillary staffers from 2016, this is the thing that gets me the most angry. Like, I, I'm pretty even keeled, I suppose, uh, on mm-hmm. most most days. Um, I do get animated. Um, but the one place where I will, I mean, my heart rate will go up. My blood mm-hmm. pressure goes up. I will raise my voice. Um, if you um, challenge me on some of this stuff, because, you know, be, because of the job, jobs that we had on the campaign, like 
I was seeing Russian propaganda, <laughs> you know, like in, in, in my daily work, um, I was seeing the impact of sort of the propaganda campaign, which by which I'm connecting to the email coverage, because by the end of the campaign, there was no distinction being made by the media that the emails sort of emails was related to the server and, you know, originally Benghazi, not the emails they stole from John Podesta that they were releasing every single morning, 2000 a day for the last 30 days before the election. And that's not even related to the Comey letter, which happened later. Um, so this is the area, <laughs> this is the universe that makes me the most angry because I feel like the media, um, they, they have a responsibility to explain the news. I think that's part of the job. It's not just reporting the news, but also making sure that right. the audience understands the news, not necessarily, you know, to the level of like academia, but the basics, right? The basic facts. And I feel like that was part of what was missing in this particular moment. And then they're doing it again with the Donald Trump uh, coverage of how he took documents ripped up to his house uh, in boxes and nobody really knows who packed the boxes or like what was in them. They have to figure it out now. Um, do you think the yeah. media has a responsibility to not just report, but also to explain, to help us yes. understand? I, I think that there are several overlapping issues. Now, I happen to have voted for Hillary Clinton and, you know, I think Donald Trump is one of the worst human beings in the world, but this doesn't have to, we don't even have to frame it in a partisan right. way. Yeah. Um, you know, my ideas began like, well, it, well, I covered the war in Iraq and felt there's a massive gulf between what we were experiencing and what people understood back at home. But really during the financial crisis, before the financial crisis, I felt that as a business reporter, I was called upon to do all these reports where I knew like, you know, the Federal Reserve met to raise its Fed funds rate. You know, most people don't know what the Federal Reserve is. They don't know what the Fed funds rate is and they don't know why that is important for them to understand. Um, and, and in my mind, you know, leaving aside part of it, you could be against the Fed, for the Fed, I don't care. It's just, if I'm reporting and I'm fairly confident that the words I'm saying are not a very small number of people understand them. That to me strikes me as a failure, even if what mm. I'm doing is reporting what mm -hmm. happened yesterday. But See, then when you add, so, so that, like, I think if you actually sat a group of reporters covering Hillary Clinton in 2016 <laughs> and said, let's just walk through, do you like, what do you think about her? And maybe they hate her, whatever, but, but do you think she's corrupt? Do you think that she, purposely hid information, they'd say, no, probably not. I have no reporting that would support that. And then you got a bunch of their readers or viewers to sit in a room and said, what do you think about Hillary? You would see that the reporters reporting the news and the people consuming that news would have very different views. I would say, you know, if, if you know people who covered the White House under Trump, not only did they know he's literally like a mentally deficient, severely ill person, but they know that all of his key staffers know that he's a meant like mm. it's an open conversation right. in the White House, including like the people who then go on TV and pretend that he's a genius. And if you know that, 
you should communicate that. Now you might want to, you might not like that. There shouldn't be a massive gulf between what the, the best reporters know and what their audience knows. Those should be as close as possible. Obviously there's legal issues. If I have a strong gut sense, someone's a criminal, but there's absolutely no evidence, I shouldn't go reporting it. Then I become Marjorie Taylor Greene or something. But, but reporters should take that very seriously. If there's a significant gulf between what they know, what their audience knows, that is a problem. But all reporters know that that is the case and all reporters have reasons for it. And, and I, that's what I'm attacking is the reasons for it. I, 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 think it's, I think it's incredible that you, you got into this insight through business reporting, financial reporting, because for so long I have felt like I'm not supposed to understand this. You're not. Like, like people don't want me to understand this. You're not. Like that is why it is so hard to parse financial right. stories. Can you talk a little bit about planet money and like what that was supposed to explode? Yeah. So, so you, there are things that you are explicitly not supposed to understand. Like, you know, I mean, truly, I mean, this isn't like some weird conspiracy theory. This is just the truth. This is, um, it's Wall very Street, complicated. <laughs> um, the way, you know, the way, especially the top investment banks work is they sell the idea that they have unique access to certain kinds of products or theories or whatever. And so, you know, you have to go with Goldman Sachs or you have to go with Citibank or whatever, because only they know X, Y, Z. And sometimes that's true. A lot of times it's not true. A lot of times it's kind of a mix of things, but it is literally engineered. Like when you hear about a collateralized debt obligation, which was at the heart of the financial crisis, right. It, it was engineered to be complex and difficult to understand, not just for you, but for like other bankers who right. and other investors, like high net worth individuals and stuff. So that is true. And then there's stuff that just is hard because it's hard. Like monetary policy is confusing and takes some explaining, but it doesn't take graduate school. You know, what we learned at Planet Money is maybe it takes 20 minutes of actual airtime and a whole bunch of pretty smart people spending a few months thinking about how to explain it. But it's not unexplainable. Like you can mm -hmm. go from not yeah. understanding it to have enough of an understanding that you can read the paper, you can make sense of it. But it, from a media standpoint, it is, it is expensive, you know, like it, you know, I at Planet Money, I mean, basically, I grew up in a family that didn't know anything about business. I grew up in all artist housing in Greenwich Village. Like business was just not <laughs> part of the conversation in any way. Sure. <laughs> and, and I sort of accidentally became a business reporter, but found it really fascinating. But I felt like my parents, the grownups I grew up with, they were all smart, curious people who just didn't, yes. they didn't understand. And so I was like, well, they should understand. They could understand. It's actually kind of interesting and it's definitely important. And so... I assembled a great team of storytellers. They're pretty much all now working at This American Life and you know they're really good. But it, and it was expensive. I mean, I got a lot of static at NPR from other people saying, you know, you're taking our best reporters and you're creating fewer minutes per week of content. And, and so by the metrics that they use, this was just an obviously stupid thing to do. You know, and you know, we had like, 45 minutes or 50 minutes a week of content. And, you know, would say for reporters who could have done, anyway, I, I'm 
having trouble doing the math in my head, but could have done three <laughs> or four times as much if they were just doing quick news hits. Right. But my argument is, if, if I'm gonna create those 20 minutes that really explains the Fed in a way you're gonna remember and is gonna empower you, that is worth you know, 10 times as many minutes simply reporting what reporting a story that very few people understand. Well, yes, right? it's, it, it takes time to teach yeah. somebody a foreign language, but you wouldn't just sit them down in front of a foreign news broadcast and say, well, watch 10 times more of that. They're not going to know it. <laughs> right. And business coverage, it, it's very clear because it is in a foreign language, right? It is. Yeah. Uh, um, it, 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 you know, if I said to you, credit spreads are widening across Europe, which is happening right now, mm -hmm. you know, 0.01% of the population that has a really strong and intense feeling. And then the rest of the population is like, I literally have no idea what, I know each of those words individually. I don't know. Yes. What that I am an English major. I can explain each word that you used. Right. Right. So, but that's on me. Swap. I should explain <laughs> that right. to you. And, um, and, and, but then when you add to it, the, you know, I, I would say again, not even in a partisan way, although I am partisan, but the average reporter, I would say the average reporter did not like Hillary Clinton. I don't know how to explain that. That's a separate topic. Oh, I do, but it's okay. We yeah, don't have to get that, into that's it a, That's a whole topic, <laughs> but, but I know very few reporters who are like rooting for Hillary in the way they mm -hmm. were rooting for Obama. Mm -hmm. But the average reporter knows <laughs> that even the average Fox News reporter knows that Trump is a totally different animal. This is a severely, this is a seriously ill man. This is a person who has fundamental problems processing just any information and coming to any reasonable conclusion or retaining. And like you look at Maggie Haberman, from time to time, she'll reference that fact. But the vast majority of her coverage, just to pick somebody who I beat up on and lots of other people beat up on for good reason. Um, <laughs> if, if you were like an alien or, or if you're reading her articles 10,000 years in the future, and you don't know any of the context, you are not going to know that a severely mentally ill person right. was running our country. Mm. And if you read the Hillary Clinton coverage, you would think, wow, a really corrupt person almost became president. When we all know a really corrupt person did become president, his corruption, weirdly, was not the worst thing about him. Yeah. It was, anyway. Yeah. So, so where do we, I mean, are, are you, we, Hezerlina and I spent a lot of time analyzing where we are now versus where we were then trying to look for bright spots, thinking that like, has the media learned its lesson at this we point? We try like, so hard. I, and then yeah. this, the archive story broke. And then I was like, I give up. I give up. Yeah. I give yeah. up. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think, first of all, look at different media differently. I do think on okay. balance, the Washington Post has done yes. probably the best job. Like Agreed. On any given day Agreed. in the last five years, you would, there'd be evidence that a mentally deranged person was running our country. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I think the New York Times, I mean, this, this is not original to me, but on balance, their number one takeaway was wrong, was fundamentally wrong yes. and racist, which is yes. that old white men and trucker caps are the thing we need to really, really zoom in on. Um, and, and I don't think that was the failing of, of the New York Times. Um, I mean, I do think I am on board that there's like a general like media elite 
distant, I've, I moved to Vermont mid pandemic and I do feel like, oh, right, rural world is different and we yep. should know that better. But, but that mm -hmm. isn't on the level of what we're talking about. I'd say that there is a bunch of implicit, media is not like the accounting profession or the legal profession or medical profession where there's a clear literature and training into morals and ethics. That's not to say lawyers and accountants and doctors are ethical all the time, but they know what there's there's a clear body of work. Journalism is much right. more that that core, like what is our job, is much more up for debate. We pretend yeah. it's not within media organizations, but it is. And there are some gut sense assumptions that I had for my whole career, other people had for their whole career, that are either self-contradictory or just don't apply when a deranged lunatic has shifted one of our major parties into an a top, you know, essentially trying to destroy our country. And so, you know, the way I put it, and Jay Rosen is at NYU, he talks very smartly mm -hmm. about this. Media doesn't have that crisis mode. And so it rests on these old tropes. And weirdly, and we don't have enough time right now to go into it, but it is easier to beat up the side you agree with more than mm -hmm. the side you disagree with more mm -hmm. because yeah media has conflated, many media have conflated telling the truth with partisanship in a way that's very, um, that makes it impossible or very challenging for them to, or us to, to you know, call, call a maniac a maniac. Mm, and right. so anyway, um, I, so I think this does get, it, it's not that a bunch of media people sat around and said, boy, it'd be great to have Trump as president and let's make sure Hillary right. becomes president. It's our core. And it's it's both bigger and smaller than say Trump. I mean, I, I do think if Trump is reelected, that is the worst thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. I, I actually <laughs> think that's a true statement. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but, um, but so it's smaller than that in a way, but it's also bigger than just Trump. It cover it 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 would impact how we cover all sorts of issues, not just these big explosive political issues. Adam Davidson, we're gonna have to have you back on yep. because I'm this gonna, is a yeah. much longer conversation that I have bookmarked three or four tangents that we need to spend 20 minutes on. <laughs> so I wanna thank you for your thread. I wanna thank you for Planet Money. Uh, it is truly helpful if you like me want to understand more about why the world works the way it does. And um and please do join us again because there are oh, a thousand threads I would love really to keep fun. going yeah. on this. Thank you <laughs> yeah, so much. Yeah. Thank you. Have a day, Adam Davidson. Thank you so much. Please um have as sane a day as possible. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening. 